incredible spirit I felt not only tonight, but this morning in the prayer room, this morning in service, and uh, this, this evening in the prayer room, and this evening in the service as well. Uh, I, I never thought, you may be seated, I never thought I'd be in a predic predicament where uh, I would wonder if there's such a move, why preach at all? I never thought I'd be in that predicament. And I've always wondered why preachers would preach anyways. There's such a move, why not just call, make an altar call? Um, and I, I honestly prayed that right now. And, and then Pastor made the, uh, the option to hand him the microphone. So, um, so obviously the Lord wants a word to go forth today. Amen. Uh, and I want to thank Pastor for allowing me to, to do this tonight. Uh, I want to thank uh, Brother Carson for uh, uh, all those 6 a.m. prayers, the, the ones I was there and the ones I missed. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Thank you for uh, having patience with me um, and for all the troubled times we would talk about. All those testimonies that you shared with me, thank you. That was great. And uh, Help me to be a, a better youth leader, not the best, but a better one. And uh, being a youth leader, that we do have events. So before I preach, I'm just going to go ahead and say some events. Uh, so if you have any questions, don't come to me. It's on YouTube, and uh, you can check it there, all right? Um, this Friday, we will be going, uh, we'll be meeting here at the church uh, at 7 o'clock. Uh, we have a few birthdays, so we're going to be celebrating those birthdays. And after that, we'll be going to laser tag. And then the Friday after that. Uh, we will be having a bonfire here, over here by the fire pit. And then on Saturday, so not this Saturday, but next Saturday, we will be having, uh, we will be going down to Frankfurt and uh, fellowship, fellowshipping with the youth down there. And that'll be at seven o'clock as well. Um, so I'm excited for those few things. Um, if you have any questions about rides or, or if they need to bring money for anything, just come to me and, and I'll uh, discuss those things. Um, but God, whew, I told Pastor that there's been something that's been on my mind for a few months. I actually shared it with uh, during a, um, a Wednesday Bible study during the, the coronavirus, the, the initial wave. And uh, it was me and Pastor Robinson and Brother Carson talking there and Mitchell online. And, uh, and I, think, I think we need to hear it today. I, I've been praying. I believe we need to hear it today. And. And uh, it's true that we've had church already. There's been a great move of God. We had somebody baptized with the Holy Ghost. And you know what? If you want to head out, if you want your participation attendance, you can exit. Participation, participation. You know, when I first got my... Uh, the very first sport I loved, uh, I played baseball, but the very first sport I loved was basketball. And uh, I still remember the very first trophy we got for it. It was a participation trophy. And uh, I, I can still remember how it looked, how it was. I think I threw it away already, but um, I still remember how it was. And um, it was, it was interesting because I loved it, 
but I remembered what it was to me. I loved it because of what it meant for me. For one, that was my first year playing basketball ever with a team. Second, it looked pretty cool to me. I was just a little eight-year-old, so what does cool mean? Uh, but the most important thing to me was that it reminded me of the one team we could never beat. That whole season we beat everybody, but there was one team we could never beat, and I always remembered it whenever I saw that trophy. The only other trophy I remember was three years later when that was my first season of football in sixth grade. By this time, my brother Matthew was already a region star, playing his last year of high school football. There was already scouts for him. People from other colleges would come look at him. And there was questions about his future of college football, you know, just the normal stuff for that kind of life. The problem was the call for action was also directed towards me to be great like him, to bring city and district championships back to my school. So imagine the feeling I had when at the end of my first season of football, where we may have won just one or two games, maybe at the max, and the whole team is sitting under a pavilion at the park, then the coaches handed out all these trophies for nothing. And I remember that. I remember that feeling. I can promise you this, I don't remember a single detail of that trophy. I can remember the basketball one, but the only thing I remember about this occasion is the cardboard box and the coaches giving us what I call fake praises for the great job we did that season. After that, I just remember the whole thing being a big old waste of time. I didn't want something shiny. I, don't, I didn't want compliments. I didn't want a round of applause from my parents or the other parents. I wanted to win. So tonight, that's what I'm going to be talking about. Just winning. Just winning. Why am I talking about that tonight? Because we've been winning. We've been having all this revival. We've been having people baptized in Jesus' name. People baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And Jesus isn't done yet. You could just lift your hands right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we're not here, God, just to watch. Oh, we're not here, God, just to, to see others do something, Lord. We're here for you, Jesus. We're here to witness your, magni your magnificent spirit, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. We are in church, amen. Now, what does that mean? Amen. That's right. We're winning. Brother, are you here in Jesus' name? Are you here in Jesus' name, Brother Carson? Do you know what that means? He's here. That's right. And when he's here, what can happen? What can happen, brother? Anything can happen.
not here for the hype. We used to call that fake hype at Purdue. I don't know, I don't know if it was a thing in other sports, but we called it fake hype. Whenever somebody, no matter how bad they felt, they just, they just started yelling, making noise, because they did not want to go to practice, but it was just fake hype. They acted like they wanted to be there. I'm not here for fake hype. I'm not here for applause because uh, you think I deserve it. If by the end of this you think you need to thank me for the word, before you come to me, go to God first and thank him for the word. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> if you need a win today in your life, in your body, or your family, I want you to know that there is an undisputed, undefeated, almighty, all-powerful champion that is here tonight. And he will do anything for someone who is desperate for a change. Amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Whenever you're desperate, God moves quickly. How do we know that? In Luke chapter 18, verse 2, if you could turn there with me. It says, there was, a, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but after he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continued coming she weary me. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, speedily. The reason why Brother Brandon got the Holy Ghost wasn't because of our prayers. It was because he was desperate enough to drive back. He was desperate enough. He was desperate enough to come here and humble himself and go to the pastor and say, I need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, at one point, he wanted it so bad, he got frustrated that he wasn't getting it. I almost turned around. And I made it up in my mind, sorry, Brother Brandon, that if he was going to turn around again, I wasn't going to let him leave. Because I knew if somebody came back into church, I saw him come back. I didn't, know, I didn't know why he was here. I figured he had trouble with somebody or wanted to talk to some about something. And, and he came back, and I, I'm walking around, turning off the lights, and I see in here, and Pastor and him are raising their hands, praying for the Holy Ghost. And I came in here, and at one point, I looked over to Pastor Robinson. Let me tell you something. If you disobey this man, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> because God knows all things, and he put him here. God put this man here over us. And if you were to disobey this man, you're disobeying God. And no matter how much you sacrifice, no matter how much money you give to the church, no matter how much work you put in 
at the bazaar, no matter how much you put in for pumpkin rolls or whatever it is, there's nothing greater than obedience. Amen? Well, anyways, I, I looked at Pastor, and something in me just knew. It was after he got frustrated, he stopped, and you calmed him down. And when he started calming him down, I knew he was going to get the Holy Ghost. I knew it, not because, not because it was by my might or by his might, but it was because God was there in the midst of us. Amen? And so God does not mess around when it comes to his own. In fact, if you keep on, when you read it, uh, verse 7, it says, his own elect, which cry day and night unto him. If you're not crying day and night to God, why are you mad? Why are you angry at God? You're looking for an answer. You're complaining to pastor that this is happening, that is happening, this isn't going the way you wanted. You got fired from this, you got let go from here, and you don't know why the world is plotting against you. And yet the last time you cried was at an altar just because it was church and everybody else was crying. Let me keep going. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless those and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in these shall all families of the earth be blessed. That is our promise. Amen. Abram hasn't even gotten a name change yet. He hasn't even moved anywhere. And God has already promised him peace from any nation that tries to attack him. But there is one nation that tried. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, it says... And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. If we jump down to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by the reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of, the, of that land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. 
It's the cry that reaches God. Amen. Daniel cried for 21 days. God heard him the first time. But there was a war going on. And I believe if he didn't keep on fasting, if he didn't keep on believing, God would have had no reason why to win that war. He had the answer. But he got desperate. Amen. We jump over to verse 19 in Exodus 3. God is talking to Moses from the burning bush, and he's encouraging him. And he says, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. When it comes to his children, to his crying children, God doesn't mess around. Amen. He said all his wonders. I want to focus on that because all his wonders, there's only ten plagues. That is not the limit to his power. Those ten plagues aren't the only thing he can do. But when it comes to his children... He knows what the enemy can take, and he's going to make sure he brings all that firepower to the battle. Amen. Amen. The problem we have to realize is that there is a constant war around us. Ephesians 6 and 12, many of us have quoted it. It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then he goes on to tell us about the armor of God and what we need. The important thing about that armor of God is that, first of all, this is the last piece of wisdom that Paul had to offer to the Ephesians. And he had to give it to them because they were fighting a war too. But the interesting thing about the armor is that it has an emphasis on defense. Only the sword was used for offense. And many people have said this. But I did not get this revelation until a few months ago. And um, I realized in football, in football there is usually about 150 total plays in that, throughout the whole game. About 75 of your offense and 75 for your defense. Players always argue in the locker room what position is the hardest. And although I will not single out one position, I will tell you, even though I am offensive player, that defense is the hardest side of the ball. Why is this? Because an offensive player, one player can mess up. It could be an offensive lineman that doesn't block right. It could be a receiver that runs the wrong route. It could be a quarterback that doesn't read the defense correctly. And usually, the offense might only lose one yard because of that mistake. And really, you could have just three good plays as an offensive player and have three touchdowns for 18 points. But as a defensive player, it takes one guy to be out of his gap for a 20-yard run. It takes one linebacker not seeing the tight end slip backside for there to be a 30-yard pass. It takes one cornerback to bite on something that is fake, a fake pump, a pump fake, sorry, 
for a receiver to go for a 60-yard touchdown. There only needs to be one chink in the armor to reveal the weakness in it. You can go into a fight with only armor on and come out alive, but you cannot go into a fight with only a sword and come out alive. Amen? A lot of us try just to throw word and word and word, but we haven't prepared all night. We haven't cried all night. We haven't cried all day. And we're just throwing out scripture. And the devils are laughing at us because who are you? We know Jesus. But see, the, also the other problem with the armor is that you can't just rely on defense. You can't just survive, but you have to want to win. So when you pray, when you cry, when you put on that armor of God, don't ever forget your sword. Amen. Don't ever forget your sword. Don't try to use it without putting on the armor. But once you got that armor on, make sure you use it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All it takes is one chink in the armor. The armor that's put on. You've got the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, the feet that are shod with the gospel of peace, breastplate of righteousness, and gird with truth. And if you're missing any one of those, you've got a chink in your armor and the devil knows it. The enemy studies you. If you think you can just relax, sit back, and just use the word as a sword, the enemy knows exactly what he's doing. And you might not realize it for six months. You might not realize it for six, eight, maybe even a year. And then one day, pastor says something you don't agree on, and you get mad. And you're wondering, where did this anger come from? Why do I want to disobey pastor? Why do I want to disobey Brother Carson? It's because that battle you fought one year ago that you didn't care about, that you didn't pray for, that you didn't study for, it's come back because the devil knows exactly what you're missing. Because we have been winning. I want to emphasize on that. We have been winning. Amen. We have had all these miracles. But what would happen, and Pastor already kind of opened up what he was feeling, but what would happen if revival were to stop today? Would you reminisce on the good old days? Remembering the day as at least one person every service, when worship wasn't forced but it was regular, when you could be proud to talk to another church about your own. Would you sit and think about the glory of God falling in the prayer room? All those times hearing people seek the face of God, Would you be happy telling people you knew it wasn't real? It was all feelings and the beat of the drum. Would you always tell the young about the coronavirus revival? 
Would you tell them about how we had to deal with it when times were harder? Would you be comfortable with the few black backsliders that we had and just say, it was the will of God, the rest didn't come? Would you allow yourself to be comfortable with the results and die thinking this was as good as it's ever going to be? Oh, hallelujah. Or would you be like God's own elect and cry day and night for one more soul? If you're getting bored, you better check your spirit. What would you do for one more soul? Would you memorize more scriptures hoping that the next stranger you see at the store, you can recite that scripture and save them? Would you push harder to remove the pleasures of this world for one more soul? The drugs, the alcohol, the parties, the pornography, the hatred, the bad influences, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok, movies, TV shows, news, and sports. Would you get rid of not just the sin, but the distractions in life? Would you fast more often than what our pastor has asked? Would you take it more seriously? Hmm. Would you worship and praise even if you didn't like the beat? Would you fight against your desire to sit down and just watch the show? Just for one more soul, what would you do? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Just for one more soul. That's, that's winning in church, amen? amen? Having an awesome song service, that's good, but that's not winning. No. Worshiping, that's what we can do to give God a gift. But that's not winning. God is in the winning business. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me tell you how much God is in the winning business. I'm going to take you all the way back to creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6 through 13. It says, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. 
And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. It took quite a while, me reading chapter one to realize this. But on the second day, God did not see that it was good. It says, and God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. He never saw that it was good. God wants to win so bad. When it came to the third day, I believe he wasn't happy with himself. So he went ahead and let the waters under heaven be gathered into one place. He made earth, and he saw that it was good one time said, well, yesterday, I didn't make my quota, so let's do it again. said, let the earth bring the forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the tree free yielding tree. And after all that, he said, and it was good in the morning, the evening and the morning were the third day. If you have ever gone through a battle and you feel like you didn't win, God wants to make it up to you. Hallelujah. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Oh, what a powerful scripture, amen. Whatever's been tied to you can be destroyed and never put together, amen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's what the anointing does. That's what the spirit does. What it doesn't talk about is once the yoke is destroyed, you've got to walk away. If you stay right there next to that wagon, the problem's still there. You're still forcing yourself. God's done the work. God's healed you. God set you free. But you just remember that pain, that suffering, and you don't ever want to let go. But you have to remember, God destroyed it with the anointing. Whenever you come up here for a healing, you have to believe that when, you, when we anoint you with oil, that you are healed. You can't go back and say, well, it didn't work. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And it all has to start with the desire to win. You've got to be desperate. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. And it says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. 
And when he saw, I'm sorry, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who hath his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been, he had been often bound with feathers, fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces. Neither could any man tame him, and always day, sorry, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus, it didn't matter how far away he was, when he saw Jesus, he ran and worshiped him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Halabaha. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The good news is that God has that desire to win also. Hallelujah. Brother Brandon. Brother Brandon, you admitted to us that you, uh, you needed the Holy Ghost because you needed to change your life. Brother, if you keep on the path that you're going, you won't have to worry about changing your life. You're going to be doing get bigger and greater things than you could ever imagine. Oh, thank you, Jesus. As a church, we need to support that young man right now and make a covenant with God that no matter what happens, we're going to support him. Because only God knows exactly what he's going to do with him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want to go to John chapter 1, verse 43 real quick. And uh, this was one of the best revelations I've ever received by far. Verse 43 says, The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Verse 45 says, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Hallelujah. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Hmm. 
before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. And Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I always saw this as someone who was just another doubting Thomas. Just wanted to see it for himself. But I was re- as I was reading this scripture, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can stand. I'm closing. As I was reading this scripture, I began to question why was that such a big deal that he knew that he was sitting under the fig tree? Did he make sure there was nobody around him? Make sure he was all alone? And for some reason, I couldn't accept that. And so I went to verse 45 and said, Philip findeth Nathaniel. So apparently, Philip or someone else knew exactly where Nathaniel was. So then I began to pray. I said, well, God, then why was it such a miracle to him that he saw you? There must have been other people walking by and, and seeing that he was underneath the fig tree. And then, hmm, then I read verse 47 again. And it said, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael was, was a different person. I believe he wanted to know God. I believe he wanted to know who he was. And I believe that while he was sitting there underneath the fig tree, people might have been walking by. People knew where he was. But it must have been moments before Philip came. He must have prayed and said, is this worth it? God, are you real? Do you even see me? Do you know the position I'm in? Do you know what's been attacking me? Do you know the pressures of this life? Do you know the troubles that I'm in? And when Jesus said, I saw you in that moment right there. Oh, hallelujah. If you've been wondering, sitting at home, sitting at work, maybe in school, wondering if it was, if this is worth it, Praying, God, do you even know who I am? Do you even see me when I go to the altar? Is church just a place where there's tradition and it's not real? Am I ever going to get healed from this? Am I ever going to get the Holy Ghost? Oh, halabaha. Oh, God sees you. 
every single moment you question, God sees you. Oh, if you've been wondering where that win is, if you've been wondering where you've been losing all this time, God sees you. He's waiting for that cry. He's waiting for you to reach up towards heaven. Oh, to touch his throne, to just to touch the hem of his garment. Oh, he's waiting for that cry. And he sees you. He sees you right now where you are. Oh, if you could just take a step of faith. Oh, in the aisle. Or if you want to come to the altar. God is here right now. Halabohoto shalabahataya.